When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. I'm Elizabeth Taylor. And I'm Alex Shapiro. We are estheticians in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and we work with really incredible, diverse, ambitious, and driven women that are killing it in life. And they deserve to be celebrated. So on this podcast, we're going to be sharing their stories with you. Yeah, and then in between those interview episodes, we'll be doing segments where it's just the two of us, maybe some guest stars, and we'll be (laughs) chatting about beauty, life, weird shit about being in your 30s and just learning more about one another because that's what makes us more similar than different. Also, we're a lot of fun and we We have a super multicultural community and we kind of think that you might too. So why not talk all things beauty under one black and Jewish roof? Hell yes. Um, Also, we'll be answering listener questions. So make sure to write to us at truebeautybrooklynpodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys. So let's jump into the show. Bye. Hey guys. Hey. It's Elizabeth. And Alex. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Today we have a really great interview with a woman who I never knew very well, but I've known her over the years. Her name is Cindy Wheeler, and she is one of the owners of Beacon's Closet. And if you live anywhere in New York City, you probably know about Beacon's Closet. But for those of you who don't know, it is a buy-sell trade store. I honestly thought they were the first of their kind when she was talking about how Buffalo Exchange and came first. I had yeah. no idea. I really <laughs> I didn't know. copied them because we're not from the West Coast. Totally. Apparently, they're West Coast companies. I mean, I didn't know anything really about this industry. I mean, it was only when we started to look into her that I kind of put two and two together and thought like oh my god thread up and like the real real these are all different reiterations of what they already have created right Mm -hmm. because before it's like yeah thrifting in my small little town it was never cool like when we did it because I didn't have money exactly and it was always super (laughs) embarrassing and I hated it and then when I moved to New York and thrifting was cool I was like oh I already know how to do this yep yeah you're like I'm already cool I'm already super cool but I love that um (laughs) not really they wouldn't take any of my clothes (laughs) (laughs) but it's a really cool way to experience New York and like experience especially Williamsburg yeah the really awesome thing I think about Cindy's story is that not only were they the first of their kind in the upcycled circular fashion industry on the east coast but also, they helped to make Williamsburg what it is. Like, nobody came to Williamsburg, like, yes. before 1993 really willingly, right? Totally. And we can argue, like, yes, it's super gentrified now. But I'm talking, like, back in the late 90s when they started. Yes. Just to make it um, a place where creatives could all come and live yes. affordably but still be in the city close to work, all totally. of that. Yeah. And to make a community. Yeah. And 100%. I think they were the very beginning of the community of Williamsburg. As, as we, we know, know it, now. yes. But it, Really, I don't know. I feel like I sound so cheesy, but it's true. Well, it's not cheesy. It's the truth. And it's in this time of like economic 
upheaval and really looking into our small businesses and seeing how much they build communities. Like, this isn't a conversation about whether gentrification is good or bad. It's a conversation about where we are today and like keeping the small businesses that we love here because as we talk about the place that they used to rent out is now like the Apple store or is now where the Whole Foods is. It's on the same block. And so, you know, 30 years ago, they were like trying to keep sex workers from like bothering their clients. Right. And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, they keep a lot of people employed. And as Cindy points out in the interview, they're a very small business, but they cover their employees, their full-time employees, health insurance, 100% of their premium. I don't even know big companies that really do that. I mean, not off the top of my head, at least. Totally. Never mind a small company. And that's that's really special. And maternity and paternity leave. Honestly. Paid. That's Honestly. crazy. What is this, Europe? <laughs> <laughs> you know, all these things that are really important to keep a work culture and a family going. And yes. I just think, and she said from the beginning, Carrie, the initial founder of Beacon's Closet, that was something that she just like made right off the bat once they were making enough money. Like yeah. everyone gets their health insurance paid for because it is a basic human right, I totally. think. Yeah. And um, so that's just one of the things that makes them so great. But And we should mention that Alex's husband works for them. Which he I does. Think is very cool. So that's how like, the connection to true beauty sort of comes in. And also we kind of yeah. mention it a few times. There's a couple of different meet cutes that happened at Buffalo <laughs> within the true beauty family now because Alex You mean is Beacons. Beacons. Oh my God. Within Beacons. Don't talk about that shit, Buffalo. <laughs> Um, but yeah, without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this interview with Cindy Wheeler. Yeah, enjoy. I'm Cindy Wheeler, and I am a co-owner. I'm general partner in Beacon's Closet. Um, in Brooklyn, which is a buy-sell trade clothing store that's been around for about almost 24 years. So long. Um, I know, so long. And I've been working there for 22, and I've been a partner for 20. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I'm also a poet and a songwriter. I love it. Yes. Um, Well, I think we should start from the beginning, where you grew up what your family life was like, because mm-hmm. all of that leads to where you are today in some weird ass way, right? Yeah. I was born and raised kind of all over the South. I was born in Virginia, but spent the early, my early years in Charlotte, North Carolina, where my family, while we were in the same city, we moved a lot. We moved like every year of my elementary school until we moved away. We're pretty normal waspy kind of um, family until probably around... I'm going to say like 19, I'm, I'm 57, so I was born in 63, so in the 70s, um, we were, you know, just sort of Episcopalian, you know, like white bread, very, you know. Nice southern churchgoers. Yeah, nice southern, but, but, you know, Episcopalians are very, you know, it's like Catholic light, it's like a lot of ritual, it's very, you know, it's very, um, it's not shouting, it's not speaking in tongues, anything like that, and my parents. <laughs> Um, my dad was in television. He owned it, uh, worked at a TV station, owned a part owned a TV station in Charlotte, and that TV station was the first affiliate for there's um, there's a show called the Seven Hundred Club, which oh, yeah. is at Robertson. Yeah. So that was the first outside of Virginia. That was the first TV station outside of Virginia where that show aired on, oh, wow. and that's the introduction of my uh, 
family into Christian television and then sort of uh, move into evangelical Christianity. And um, at that time, Jim Baker, who was later PTL, Jim and Tammy Faye, they were a part of that company, sort of, he was like Pat Robertson's sidekick. And then they broke off, moved to Charlotte, and Jim and Tammy Baker and my parents started uh, PTL, which is Praise the Lord. Wow. So your parents helped start that. Yeah. Whoa. So how old were you at that time? I was uh, in the third grade. Okay. How Do you remember you it? About, like, yeah. How I remember you, was it, it just vividly. Something like you, for you, was religion just something that was a part of your life and you never questioned it? Or was it something that even in third grade, like, I mean, what was it like growing up, I guess, in the South? It seems like it's like the Bible Belt, right? It's kind of like it is. here. But and so was it very normalized for you? Or did you kind of think like this is a little bit weird? I don't know if, how I feel about it. I think the, tr- the, the switch from being Episcopal, which was like I, um, you know, like it was just very calm and kind of boring, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. And yeah. so it was. Catholicism like. Yeah, it was <laughs> a little um, and, and maybe had some beautiful parts to the ritual. But again, I was a kid. But. Right. The switch to um, the evangelical Christianity was um, exciting, but also like kind of frightening when I look back on it. It's just like because it was a a switch to um, like there were like people speaking in tongues. There were like the laying on of hands and people falling out in the spirit and Mm. people coming to our house for like prayer meetings. A lot of like people in and out of the house. And we moved from like a kind of a normal house to a really weird farmhouse and like Mm -hmm. him and Tammy lived in an RV, like in our driveway for a while. Whoa. And so as a kid, you're looking around, you're like, this is different. Like, if not weird. (laughs) (laughs) This is the thing. And I've been thinking a lot about this lately um, because of what's happening with the country. The thing about cults is Mm -hmm. I definitely feel, and, and this is no disrespect to anybody's Christianity, but like, I definitely feel like that that brand is, is a cult. And I Mm -hmm. feel like mm, I was in a cult. I feel like I grew up in a cult. I did grow up in a cult. Yeah. Um, I feel like it, and I was. And I did. (laughs) It sounds culty in the sense of, like, that's how it starts, right? There's always, like, this weird shift in whatever you're doing religiously, Mm-hmm. where it's like we live in a semi-normal house now we're on a farm and these people are living in an rv like that's a pretty drastic change yeah and we had like you know it was the 70s and like jesus freaks would come through because that's what they were called they were like hippie jesus people and they let my parents we had a lot of property and my parents would let them camp and right like comes kind, of, kind of sketchy people you know and yeah. it's just sort of like a lot of um strangeness and it's a really yeah. creepy ass house that also I think was haunted. Yeah. Oh my God. But if you're an evangelical Christian, you can't say, Oh, it's just haunted. You'd have to say that it's oh demons and then like oh have people do like an exorcism of the house and oh walk through and cast out the demons and it's just like you're a little kid and it's like Really? I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. I'm like, I thought a ghost was scary enough. It's a demon. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. What Jeez. do you think drew your parents to that? Because like I grew up in a very like fundamental 
church as well and it was always like it's interesting because like my parents are very learned people like they're very smart and I always wondered like what drew them to that religion and I was just talking to Alex about how like my great aunt was a nun and like a black nun that's kind of <laughs> unheard of to right. begin with but then my dad was like on his way to like to become a preacher before he met my mom and like maybe that was something that mm-hmm. drew them to it because of like the racism in the 60s and 70s and just like looking for some other type of acceptance Mm -hmm. right just like trying to find a life where you can just chill and be yourself and these people are telling me that I can worship how I want and be myself how I want and so that sounds cool and kind of like Alex was saying like before it was weird right just like when it was like (laughs) at a point of just a couple of normal people looking for something looking for something in life which I think a lot of people in our generation can probably yeah. understand, you know, because yeah. a lot of us are kind of turning away from church and mm-hmm. from like organized religion mm-hmm. and looking for something else. So I don't know. I wonder if you ever thought about what drew your parents to to make that change in their life. I've thought a lot about it. And I honestly think that there is because I think a lot of this comes down a lot from my father because it was sort of his business that was sort of the that brought it in. But at the same time, my mother was also really, really actually talented and started like with the TV end of it, started like directing and they do telethons and my mother would direct and produce them. But honestly, I think it's like as with a lot of religion and then like to go back to the cult thing, I think there's a personal void. Like there's something that's missing is probably related to childhood. And, Mm. uh, you know, my dad was like in military school most of his life, like didn't have like wasn't with his parents. I think that there's like a need to understand something. And what's weird is as, as, as my dad, we sort of aged out a little bit of that, of evangelical Christianity. And my dad was really like into Stephen Hawking or like into like chaos theory or like all this stuff. But it was like all these things that don't go together. But ultimately I think that there's a combination of like some sort of like spiritual void. And then also there's a really big creepy money component in Mm. evangelical Christian television, which is ultimately why my parents were sort of pushed out of that, like right as they started to buy that land to do Heritage USA and become this really weird giant thing. My Mm -hmm. parents were pushed out, like accused of like stealing, really scandalous Mm. stuff. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And there's part of me, like to this day, I'm just like, I don't even know, like, there's some stuff that you just won't ever really know about. And it's like, yeah. I don't know. It's an inherently corrupt world, I feel like. And it's very greed driven, which is so far away from what Christianity is. Yeah. So Supposedly. <laughs> Supposedly. I think, yeah. you know, if you just like get down to that, like Jesus guy, like sometimes I yes, that, yeah, like, I'm yeah. not a Christian anymore, <laughs> but totally. it's like, I'm just sort of like that, just very simple, like, you know, take care of people, yeah. love your yeah. neighbor. Yeah, I know. I I feel the same way. It's like I'm not a religious person at all. I don't know what I am, but Jesus. Are your parents still pretty religious? My parents are. They're still like believe in God. I don't know if Jesus is their homie. (laughs) <laughs> the same way like have to ask them do you know what I mean like Jesus is a guy to me that probably existed in the world but I don't necessarily believe that like he's my lord and savior do you know what I mean totally. like, same so, yeah and, historical like, that guy, figure probably totally. it was a good dude Exactly. Yeah. And then you're absolutely right. <laughs> that guy, I think, just wants you to, like, wash your neighbor's feet and, like, <laughs> yeah, know, not kill each other. It's kind of, like, the same with all the big names in, like, all organized religions. I feel like that they were people. Yeah. But I don't know that they were totally direct yeah. lying to God. 
Well, um, now, I mean, yeah. not to get a little dirty there. You're seeing like the religion of Trump. Right it's now. got a new religion. Yeah, and again, it's, it's cultism, and that is again a deep spiritual void um, in people, a lacking of a need to feel not on the bottom, mm-hmm. to feel chosen, to feel. There's also mm-hmm. that thing of like you're you'll eventually get yours. You know, that sort of like sometimes I feel like Christianity makes it all and I'm not dissing Christianity. I feel like some religions make it make you feel like you could suffer down here because your reward is coming. Totally. Yes, totally. Which is such fucking bullshit. You know, there's a party here. Why would I suffer? For something that may or may not happen afterwards. It's I know. so strange. You know, well, I've said before that I'm shocked that I was never, especially in my early 20s, was never in a cult. I was almost a part of a pyramid scheme, market, multi-level marketing. But, like, that's the closest I got. Only because I get it in the sense of, like, you know, when I was... I moved to Bushwick and I was 19. I was so young and just like very impressionable and very much so wanted to like belong to something. Yes. Thank God no one came to me with any cult stuff because right. I probably <laughs> would like, have what do you just get? been like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you guys watch the whole Nexium thing? Like, I haven't watched I it haven't, yet. but I know I've read up a lot on yes, it though. So scene. insane. And yeah. that's like but another yeah. level. Like that's a weird businessy. Like I want to be successful. Yeah. Yes. You know, like it's yes. all like about leadership and like. Totally. But the underlying current again is like a, some sort of deep mm-hmm. hole that people are trying to fill up, and they just yeah. need to go to therapy totally. and not join a cult. Totally, <laughs> go to therapy first. I eventually went to therapy. Yeah, man. I realized, I love it. but it's really like, especially during those very important years. Like, what happened by the time you were a teenager? By the time I was a teenager. Doing? My parents, like, when they got pushed out, we moved to Tennessee. We moved to Nashville. My dad uh, bought another television station in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And we we went back to the Episcopal Church. Like, we never left religion. But it was, like, so comforting to me. I'm like, because uh, I was Christian. Like, at the mm-hmm. time, I was. And it was, wasn't ready to reject it. But it was, like, so we went back to, like, this this kind of thing that I could be like, yeah, okay, yeah. It, this is, I can, this I, I, can get, I get this, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can handle this. And like, I had a very, really, really normal, uh, high school experience. I was pretty, uh, straight laced, um, as cheerleader, as captain oh of the my cheerleaders. God, cute. Ooh, captain. But I was also editor of the newspaper, <laughs> of the school newspaper. You know, I was like, always yeah. a good, you were I'd like a very perfect high school student. Did theater too. Oh, this is the thing. All the things that I like to do required um, me to like have a certain grade point. So it was also like that yeah. thing. I was like, if I want to do this, then I have to do this. You know, so right. I feel like it was all tied together. My sister was also really a partier and like what they, you know, like the show Freaks and Geeks. She was freak, you know, yes, yes. and she was very like, I don't want you to be like me. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. Although she was mm-hmm. also editor That's of the cute. newspaper, but like she was, <laughs> she but, had one good thing. Yeah. She's a partier. She is a, yeah. Yeah. She was a badass. Um, Aww, that's cute though. So you were kind of opposites then. Yeah. We did were you opposite. feel, did you do all of these things because you really like love cheerleading? You really loved being a part of the school newspaper or because you felt like you should, you wanted no, to. I freaking love being a cheerleader. And the thing yeah, is, too, like, we so did cute. gymnastics, too, which was, like, yeah. cheerleading was just starting to turn into a more of an athletic thing, like, in the mm-hmm. 80s. It was just starting I to was happen. I like that, too. 
Were you? I was. I don't tell many people about that. Oh, but you did tell me. Yeah, I was I was a base. <laughs> I was what does that I, mean? I was a big girl when I was in high school. It means that I lifted oh. the girls. <laughs> Dang, that's me. I was the bottom yes. of the Yes. Yes, girl. Yes, yeah, bases. I was into it. It was just, I don't know. Fun. that girl yeah. being with girls, too. It was very just yeah. like... I don't Something know. to do. It was fun. Also, and it was also- in high school. It's like pre-internet. What is there really to do? You got to do something. Yeah. So <laughs> that was super. Yeah. And so like high school was like really normal. And like my best friends were twins. And Cute. yeah. And I'm still actually really, I'm still best friends with those two girls. Um, nice. Yeah. But it sounds like the things that the activities that you were doing were very performative also. Yeah. nature and so where did like music come into your life you know what's interesting is I wrote from a teenager but like what teenage girl doesn't write poetry right um but right. then as I went into college and um I just make a little pit stop like joined a sorority was in a sorority for about a year and a half it freaked me out I went to the University of Alabama like mm. went further or deeper into the south saw yeah. things that I had not seen before saw like classes in, in a way that I hadn't seen before mm-hmm. saw like this weird thing about like that not being from Alabama I was like oh you're from Tennessee mm, okay um That's really so weird, weird so right weird. so I mean yeah but also like New Yorkers I'm just like where are you from <laughs> I know right and so you know Dropped some yeah. acid, decided I wasn't a Christian anymore. <laughs> Love that. Um, dropped out of my sorority. Um, and really started to write. Acid, a, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> dropped some <laughs> acid. I'm not a Christian, Christian and I'm anymore. not a cheerleader. But I also get that, dude. Your mind, like, going, tripping for the first time, it's just, it's literally a trip. It's like, I remember yeah. that experience of just Same. like, whoa, mind opened. What the fuck? Like, really? It, awesome. it really is. It was like, I had a, a very, like, definite moment of like coming down off of my first acid trip and just really be and having it be scary and painful and being like shit like I don't believe that like I don't Mm. like the Jesus is a guy who was probably cool but Jesus is my lord and savior and you know and the whole yeah the mythology of it like letting go of the mythology of it or seeing it as mythology did you like tell your parents Around that time that you, like, weren't. I didn't. but you I never t- really said anything. Like an idiot. I told my little brother, and he told mm. my mom. Mm. And I had a, I came over That's this hot summer. Goss, girl. <laughs> hot goss. <laughs> he got in trouble idea. one day, and he's like, shit, what do I do to get myself out <laughs> yes. of this? Yeah. Uh, Cindy's not a Christian anymore. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, she was like, my mom, like, called me in her room. And she was, it was, this is a thing that's sad, is but she was distraught. You know, mm-hmm. because if yeah. you believe in heaven and you think that your child is going to hell, then that is a truly distressing thought. And she was like, your brother tells me you are an atheist acid head. You're like, well, when you say it like that, and I was like, you know, and my mother was reasonable and I could talk to her, and, you know, and I told her, I was like, I'm not because I wasn't, I was like, I'm not atheist. I'm just sort of, I think I'm agnostic and I'm just not sure. And I hope that I'm sorry that that freaks you out, you know? And it's like, yes, I've done drugs, but like, I'm okay. You know? Yeah. And so she, it was the seventies, you know, but I mean, by then it was supposed to do the eighties, but you know, I mean, I think the scary thing probably for your parents, that's really interesting. And this is something we probably forget is like that generation didn't have a reason to not believe the church or the government. Like, why would they like 
their whole lives they were taught to believe in these institutions and they kind of had never, never really failed them up until then. So that must have been very scary for you to, to be like, um, I don't... <laughs> Questioning everything, <laughs> Questioning everything. really. Well, because well, at the time, the government, that's the war on drugs, right? That's the Reagan saying, like, drugs are bad. You're, this is, like, your brain on drugs. Your kid's going to never yeah. be anything of them. And then you're also like, and Jesus ain't my homeboy. She was freaking out. Like she was. <laughs> and they were super active in the Republican Party. Like, there's, oh, like, girl, yeah. yeah. And it was, like, and that's when my parents start to, like, we were always, like, mm, up middle class, upper middle class. And then my parents, my dad sold a TV station for a lot of money and yeah. made a lot of money and yeah. so the money with the republicans and like they went to and the raids yeah they went yeah. to all those inaugurations they gave a lot of money there's pictures of mm. my mom with reagan and the bushes and it's all just oh like so God. <sighs> yeah yeah she was freaking out yeah oh for you also that takes yeah. a lot of courage you know well your brother did it but yeah. <laughs> you stuck with your gun. They understood and even my dad it was just something that we didn't talk about you know like i just knew to stay away from it because because mm, again yeah. to circle back i was like i knew it was distressing to my parents and mm. it's just sort of like i'm just gonna like avoid this you know yeah. and just there's no because there is that thing too it's like you're not gonna convince me that I need to be a Christian and I'm certainly not going to like get you to renounce your religion. So let's just right. decide. Yeah. So yeah, totally. But, yeah. Uh, anyway, started... music. How yes. did we get there? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, cause you dropped acid. Oh, that's right. Music. Yeah. It's a, a lot of poetry writing. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I started, um, my friend and I, this is like in my early twenties, um, started a book, opened a bookstore in Tampa um, so that's the first business I was involved in. Um, it was a bookstore and a coffee shop. We had poetry readings there. We also did live music. And so I kind of, mm. I always sort of, I think probably my number one musical idol uh, is Patti Smith. So that sort mm -hmm. of rock uh, poet thing, that mix, yeah. I was always really attracted to that. And so I started, I was house sitting for some friends and they had an accordion and I weirdly, and this is like, I'm in my late 20s at this point. I pick up an accordion, decide like, this is weird. I, I can play this. <laughs> Teach myself how to play the accordion. Wow. The That's fuck. fucking awesome. Started a, band, <laughs> started a band with a girl who played the clarinet. And then we added people. And we this weirdly, is very Eastern European, it was like, the sound so far. <laughs> yeah. It was the 90s. The band was called P-Shy. Um, okay. P-Shy. That's, That's kind yeah. of... We got signed great. to make your label. We got signed to Universal. That's awesome. That's insane. Yeah, it was With crazy. an accordion and a clarinet? Yeah. And a branch now to start a play. This is like, they were looking for, it was the 90s, and they're like, they were just signing people. They're just like, who's the next Nirvana? What do you got? Who do you need? You? You? Whatever. Okay, sure. <laughs> we got to come to New York, and like we lived in the Paramount Hotel for like a month, then we recorded a record. I don't know. We made two records. Uh, we toured a lot. The 90s were good for you. They yeah. were. I had the number two record on CMJ for, uh, yeah, we were like, we did a lot. We, awesome. we kind of had our moment, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. So is that what brought you to New York? It is. Like, the, we were a Florida band and like the touring, just to drive, just you had to drive like eight hours just to get out of the state. Mm -hmm. And then you were in like Valdosta, Georgia. You're like, woo. You know, it's like. Mm -hmm. um, it's so Kyle's family lives outside of Tampa. 
Yeah, but I it's know. It's like this weird part of Florida where you can't get anywhere else without driving. Yeah, no, like eight or nine it's hours. very. And it, <laughs> Tampa had this moment where, it, like, when I had my bookstore, where it seemed like it was going to maybe be like it was always this thing, like, we're the next Austin, and it kind of felt like it had the historic district where my bookstore was, and there was a mm. record store and it's some cool music venues, and then I just, as Florida does, it like imploded on itself and yeah that's right we moved yeah we were we were up in new york a lot playing shows and the record company was up here and so we just decided the whole band and actually a lot of my friends in tampa was kind of perfect like we all like a ton of people moved to new york probably like between like 95 and 97 and everybody moved to williamsburg because nobody could afford to live in the city yeah did you, like, before then see yourself moving to New York? Were you like, that's a goal of mine, or not really? You know, I'd, I'd, my mother had taken me to New York and when I was in, in college for, like, a, a weekend for shows, and I loved it, but it wasn't until, like, we kept having to come up so much, and we recorded our first record in New York, like I mentioned, and we played here so much. We toured the East Coast so much, and every time we would leave New York, I would physically feel like like that rearview mirror, like when you hit the New Jersey Turnpike, and you can see yeah. this city in the background, and I'd just be like, fuck, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, what am I doing? And so if it just felt I had a real strong tug of the mm-hmm. city. And I still, like, I go up and down, but sometimes it's so corny. Like, anytime I drive over the Williamsburg Bridge or that part of the BQE where you come around, like, Brooklyn Heights, and it's like the, the BQE is, like, right yeah. there against the yeah. water, and the city's just yeah. like, yeah. like, it almost yeah. looks like your car. It's yeah. so, like, yeah, yeah. big. <laughs> <laughs> I've literally almost wrecked my car there because it's the water tower and then the Statue of Yeah, the of little Liberty, water tower. And then the <sighs> beautiful and I still like get like you know like sort of like amazed by it you know and it's weird too like to I don't know just the changing skyline and yeah you know right like after so many years you still feel that way I feel that I mean I I think we all go back and forth yeah with like living weird I mean god I say it all the time it's a weird place because it's 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 either for you or it isn't. And if it's for you, like, it just is and you can't explain it. It just has, like, a pull over you. It does. And it's, yeah. it, when you see people that it's not for and you're like, oh, shit, they're getting. Yeah. <laughs> and when it's not for you, they're like, I, why do people like this? I hate it. And just like, Yeah, I know. It's not going to change for you. If you feel like that right now, nothing's going to. You're going to meet really cool people. You're going to keep asking them why they stay. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to happen for you. It's like. It's true. You can yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think about going away. And I used to. I had a house upstate for many years. And I sold it like two years ago. And up in the Catskills. Mm-hmm. And I had it for like. Wait, 30- where? Uh, in Ferndale in Sullivan County. I know Ferndale. She's I'm from, from Sullivan County. Shut up. Yeah. That's so awesome. I know. I get why you sold it. <laughs> yeah. Ferndale's weird. It was just getting, yeah. it, is, it was just sort of like getting super, I don't know. It was just like, there are other parts that I like. I still love, I loved my house. Like it was the perfect, it was a 1972, like sort of chalet, like all glass front. Like it was just Ooh, very, so I loved it so much, but yeah. I was a part of a lake community, too, which was, like, the lake was adorable, but it was almost like being a part of a, like, when I hear stories of people that are in co-ops in the city, mm-hmm. like, that's, like, being in the co and I'm, like, I didn't even come upstate to, like, have a meeting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, make new friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just sort of, um, it was that being able to escape, and then when the pandemic hit, like, so many p- friends of mine who have houses upstate just like went up there and like hit out. Mm-hmm. Like 
with what was happening with beacons, like um, Alex knows this, like the ownership, like took over the internet store while we during yeah. that down just to have a little bit of income in, you know, mm-hmm. we got mm-hmm. money, just like try to like pay the damn electric bill or whatever it was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I really couldn't ha- be away, you know? Yeah. And then, yeah. I mean, like it just started, like then we were just like building barriers for a protection. Like it's that shutdown. Like I, I make a joke like that shutdown. Like I've never worked so hard in my life. When, <laughs> yeah. Like I worked more than ever. The way that most people probably <laughs> know about you is because of Beacon's Closet. Because yes. of this incredible store that's really become like a New York City legend kind of can i tell you that i went into beacons when you guys still had the space on north 11th Mm -hmm. and it was my first time ever it was the day that i had moved to bushwick literally packed my stuff in black garbage bags didn't tell my dad (laughs) put him in the back of my punk rock boyfriend's white van and was just like bye and his one of our friends who we were with had to like wanted to drop some stuff off to sell and that was my first time in there but i was so broke at the time that I was like I'll be able to shop here one day (laughs) (laughs) and now look at you (laughs) meanwhile everything's very reasonably priced obviously but my yeah I had no money and was just like I can't wait till I can like buy cute stuff yeah and then I was going in there all the time I mean at least twice a week at one point yeah everybody in New York has been to Beacons at some yeah. point. It's so sure. crazy, but, like, to even yeah. hear it's that. such a staple. I'm sure. Crazy. But I remember yeah. that day so vividly. But anyway, so, yeah. What were you going to say? <laughs> no, so, I was going to say, I had to talk about it? myself for, like, a second. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, can you take us to how you joined Beacons and how just kind of, like, that that journey? Yeah. Um, so I'd been here for a minute. I was still playing music. I was actually working at a place called the L Cafe. It was the only coffee shop and bagel shop in Williamsburg, but it was probably on the end of its life, like, as I was coming to Beacons. But, like, I started dating uh, this guy named Sam Fogarino, and he um, he's the drummer in Interpol. Um, mm. And he was Carrie's uh, good friend and original first employee. And, um, um, when Carrie started Beacons, Carrie Peterson is the founder and my dear friend, and she started it in 98. Is that right? 97? Some, something like that. And uh, it was just a one-woman show. She did the thing that everybody tells you not to do. She took an advance on a credit card and opened it. Oh, shit. Um, mm-hmm. But look what she did. Yeah, and this, awesome. the original store, you know, had the, had a little tiny places. Before we took that bigger backspace, it was just the front space and then the little tiny room in the back. And that little tiny room, which eventually came the music room, was where she lived. Mm. Uh, she lived there and then Sam came to visit and he was like, I think I'm going to move here. He was living in Florida. It was so weird. Sam and I didn't know each other in Florida. And mm. then he started working for her. And then somewhere in that year, like in 98, we started dating. And then in 99, I started working between the El Cafe and part-time at Beacons. Mm. And then Sam and I got married and then we got divorced. Um, <laughs> 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 but we got married. But that then, is what happens 50% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just sort of like we were the, it was like Carrie and her husband and Sam and me. And like we would split the shifts. And there were days in the beginning of Beacons where I worked by myself. And I think about that, you know, it's just like where you were buying clothes, you were ringing people up. It was like one or two people tops. Like we would need two people on the weekends because it would be busy, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So nuts. Yeah, and then when Sam and I split up, Carrie made me a partner, and that's kind of the has been the business model of the store is that everybody who gets a partnership is a person that worked there, was a manager, 
I guess I was the first store manager, and and there's been times in the in the years where Carrie moved, Carrie's from Arizona. She moved back with her husband to Arizona for a little while, and kind of sort of I ran the show on my own. And then she came back, and then she went back. She's bounced back and forth over the years, but she's been back in the city for a long time. But yeah, and we were in that space on North Eleventh for eight years, and then we expanded to the back, and then we made the big move to the big space on on. Well, that was Bedford and North Eleventh, and then the right. big mm-hmm. space is the North Eleventh space. Yeah. North 11th and White, right? Or something. Yeah. Like yeah. Like that was right at the time too. It was such a cool period of time in Williamsburg too. Cause like we were next to KCDC. Um, yeah. Gay shop. And um, that was just like such a, such a, it was so fun to have them as neighbors. Yeah. yeah. It was cool down that way. Yeah. I remember Lacey and I used to go in there all the time and like little did we know she'd marry Alex Porta cause he would ring us up most of the time. And I remember yeah. one day we were like, he's always so nice. That's so <laughs> funny. Then, like, I didn't know that. He's the and then, best. Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. He is the best. Florida. Yeah. He worked there and we used to go in there all the time. That's awesome. That's not how they met. We were always. And the, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the neighborhood really grew up around you guys. Like you guys, you're one of the first businesses, I imagine, of like the old Williamsburg that is really made this a cool neighborhood, you know? Like yeah. everybody I mean, on every <laughs> no, they were, like every list. Honestly, they got every list of like the top places to shop in New York City by like any cool publication that anybody cares about. Yeah. And also on like the mainstream ones, like Vanity Fair and Vogue yeah. and like Bazaar. It's always beacons. Like and it's been that way for twenty years. I mean that's yeah. really incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. An, it's crazy. And it's funny, you know, when Carrie opened and I remember even like when she opened the store, people were like, North 11th, maybe a little bit too far down Bedford, you know, like that kind of a thing. Yeah. And like, I wow. remember when I met Sam, he was like, yeah, we're at this place called Beacon's Closet. And I, at the time, I lived on North 4th. And I was kind of like, North 11th? <laughs> 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 I remember walking down there to visit him, you know, and it's just sort of like, it was like kind of like the edge, you know, because Greenpoint yeah. was yeah, it's pretty industrial. Know, super, you know, like just different you know it's like manhattan avenue is like just really really like solid polish american you know just like the mom and pop stores like totally you know and like our move and even to like our the move when we eventually lost the north 11th space which was so traumatizing and so unnecessary you know what i'm glad we moved but like the whole push out the whole thing with like vice like they pushed vice took out. over right they oh, yeah, supposedly they were going to take Fucking over vice. we got pushed out and then they pushed out Glasslands because they were going to take over that one and it's oh, just, wow. like, just like eh, eh. it's like i know that oh, some cool reporting now like i know it's a bigger company but at the time it was just like we might need to face how about yeah, nobody space? wants their business to be taken over by another yeah. business. Like, and now that whole cool. block is just, it's demolished. It's gone. Mm. So, I mean, who, mm. who the hell knows? But, you know, like. I mean, who knows what would have happened? That yeah. move was like, I mean, ultimately the space that we have now, we got to build it out. We unfortunately um, were the victims of the city of New York and a stop work order in the midst of that build out. And that almost put us out of business because it was arbitrary and really frightening. And we mm. got to see the we got to see the machine of the city, yeah, um, up close and personal. And it was scary because mm. it was like, don't go to the press because it got to the point where like we're going to go to the press about this, and they're like, if you want to not open your business, go to the press. What the wow. fuck? Yeah, no, it's the truth. There's so much. 
bureaucracy when it comes to like once you get to a certain size for sure and like when you start to build things you have to deal with like the city and the department of buildings department of buildings yeah 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 a hundred percent i believe you want to scare somebody say i'm going to call the department of buildings honestly done it a couple it's times. scary and that's what happened like somebody <laughs> yeah like someone on the street called the department of buildings what and the department you can anonymously report and they made us prove that the space had been operated non-commercially in perpetuity like over time the building yes. was a one-story garage it had never been anything it had never been residential ever yeah it had been a garage yeah, and it was like we had to go back, like and look at architecture papers and ask neighbors and say, "What did this used to be?" Months and months, there, girl. Yeah, and yeah. months. Yeah, and yeah. mean, yeah, and then like we, and then we had to like our seamless move. Like it was actually like this is it was a bad time, but also like a warm and fuzzy time when I think about it. Like when we opened, we didn't have toilets, and so <laughs> um, and we had concrete floors, but we just had to open. And yeah. so um, Spritzen House across the street. Like Lance, the guy that manages oh, that, yeah. like he gave so nice. us um, the pass to like use the bathroom so like we could get into the building. That's really nice. Mm, so nice. Yeah. The little oh, thing. Oh my like, God. That's giving me anxiety. Yeah. Just thinking about like, first of all, you're moving out of this giant space into another very large space and it's just like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it was so much. And our staff, like, and we had to do the things like, uh, I just love our staff so much and like what they, what they would do. Like, cause we had to like, we had all the, all the rounders with clothes and they were shrink wrapped and it was like moving. Oh and so they like where they were work, you know, we had the front and the back of the store. And so we'd move everything to the front of the store so they could finish the back of the store. And then we moved everything, crammed it to the back of the store so they could finish the front of the store. Like is straight up nuts. Yeah. Wow. That's insane. That's, I know. I just got anxiety thinking about that I know. Also. Are you happy of a little four inches square foot space? Exactly. <laughs> no inventory. <laughs> and even thinking about moving this place is It's like stressful. nothing. Yeah. It's like, all right, let's pack up the beds. But no, we know it's not. Yeah. yeah. So, um, all right. Well, so many things. Well, so many things. So crazy. So then, like, because you guys moved into the space in Greenpoint, how I don't even remember how long ago that was. A few years. Ago. I think we we're gonna that. say six years ago because I I oh know God, that no because almost seven because we it's so weird because we uh, opened the Bushwick because I was doing paycheck protection loans and I was like when mm-hmm. this is open and I was working on Beacon's Closet Bushwick's application this morning and I was like when was that and then it was like we were having twins because we thought we were gonna lose the flagship so we decided oh, to like really go forward with down. with mm-hmm. the smaller store because the smaller stores are easier they jam out the money sure. like it's just like it's just less and yeah. then the stop work order got lifted and we were like son of a but you know we had our partner lily over at bushwick and she you know like she's so sweet was hand you know knew what to do and whatever it was it was uh, opening small stores is so easy and relatively speaking it's kind of like we know how to do that especially carrie like that's kind of her where she shines is like opening up a new store she's a really great eye for design and interior stuff and she just makes them each of our stores have like a little unique thing and that's totally like carrie's vision right there but yeah like it was um so we've been there six years What makes you, I mean, now that uh, circular fashion and vintage clothes and thrifting is really cool and there's like thread up and the real, real, there's all these different ways to kind of do what you guys have been doing. Like what, 
even though you didn't start the entire concept of the shop, did you guys ever think like that it could be as big as it is right now? The whole industry, I guess, of consigning. Or was you know, it just kind of this fun thing that you guys wanted to do to trade clothes? Carrie's from Arizona. <laughs> so she grew up and actually like had a high school job, I believe, or maybe like college job. I'm not sure of the age time, but uh, at Buffalo Exchange, mm. that concept, which is not was not on the East Coast for such a long time. Mm-hmm. And the same thing, like there's Wasteland in San Francisco and at Buffalo, um, there's Crossroads, which is also a Western right. company. That's more, I feel like that a business model is in people that are West Coast folks' minds. Whereas mm-hmm. for me, it was something that I didn't really know about. I mean, I had thrifted like crazy, like being in bands and like whatever, like being in my 20s, like going to thrift stores was a thing, you know, getting records and, you know, right. stopping when we're on tour. But I know that Carrie was smart enough. I don't think that she knew, and neither did I, that it would turn into what it turned into. But I think that Carrie did see, like, there is a hole, and there's a market here, and -hmm. there's nobody in it. And we were the only game in town for so long. When Buffalo finally did show up, I mean, it was like we'd been around for, like, 12 years. Like, it didn't show up. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, when You're like, welcome, guys. And they were in Philly for a while, and we're like, oh, they're going to come. But, you know, ultimately, with the city as big as it is, I feel like it's that thing of, like, it is competition, but it's, like, the market feeds the market, and the more, Mm -hmm. you know, the more there is. And then also, too, I think competition makes you – you know, step up your game. Like you want to be better. You want to offer something that they don't, you know? Totally. Totally. And I think too, like you guys obviously carry open that space at a really good time. And what? So that means Buffalo Exchange came in like 2010. I think around there. Like it was a while. Like Williamsburg had already like blown up and you guys had already like had a whole following. And also we should mention to the listeners that might not know this. Like my dad my parents are from New York City. Your parents probably say the same thing. In the 90s in Williamsburg, my dad yeah. would lock the doors when he was driving through this neighborhood. It was a bad neighborhood. Like yeah. it was I, was, not... I was in here. I was living yeah. up in this. Yeah, exactly. So I want the <laughs> listeners to know like, what you was did. was like the main corridor for um, – and I don't know why. I think it was – it was one of those things like so you're going down as back when um, when Kent was two directions and that was a big thoroughfare mm-hmm. for trucks because it's a very industrial area. But mm-hmm. North Fourth was where and I don't know why, but where all the sex workers and a lot of them had issues with crack cocaine mm-hmm. and they would wow. they were on our street and it was just where they got picked up. And it was like it was mm-hmm. intense because yeah. about five or six in the morning. There was this one woman, and I don't know if she was, like, Jones and or, like, what. She would just be, like, ah, like, she'd just, like, be yelling. Oh kind of Imagine that now. Yeah. No, People would I just can't imagine move out and leave. But there was a time period where, as Williamsburg started to be, like, hipsters, the sex workers started to cop that look. And it was uh, yes. kind of awesome. Yeah. Like they blended yeah. in. But yeah. I mean, and also, <laughs> when I was at the new school, I was like, are these homeless kids or are they rich kids? I can't, I can't tell. Right? I know. Honestly. I know. Because it's a look, and you're absolutely right. That was the look for a lot. It still is. Still is. I mean, thank yeah. God the pandemic came, and I don't see white kids walking around barefoot anymore. But I'll tell you, girl, no. I was like, what is no. going on? No. 
Dirty hippie. I had my dirty hippie yep. phase. I did. Yep. But, I yep. did. but I say I brought that up because I want people to understand what it is that you that your store really contributed to the neighborhood because your store contributed to putting Williamsburg on the map for like being trendy, bringing money into the neighborhood, bringing people into the neighborhood, bringing other businesses into the neighborhood, and it's really a staple. I mean, yeah. we're at a it time. It is the way it is, kind of. Because, because yeah. of Beacon's Closet in Honestly, a lot of ways. Yeah. I agree with that. And I think that the fine line where I start to feel, well, while I feel like when I jokingly said, like, did we make it cool? You know, there's that thing with gentrification yeah. where, you know, like it's a slippery slope. And I was just, I don't know if you guys are hurt. Like there was this thing going on in the Rockaways this week where the, um, yeah. the, mm-hmm. the vending license was maybe going to be given to somebody else. And it, mm-hmm. I wrote a letter about it to the whatever the community board because it reminded me of like like people come in artists come in creative people come in and make a place you know attractive and mm-hmm. vital and then something happens and I feel like that's how it felt when we got pushed out by vice it's just sort of mm-hmm. like yeah or just got pushed out by whatever for the forces that be um mm-hmm. that it's like wait a minute like and then we couldn't find it took us a while we had a year to look for a space to find a place that we could afford it was like mm-hmm. this and now we don't know if we get to stay in it and it's right. very it's just you know it's fucked it's up disheartening. yeah exactly because what's the price like yeah all these other people get to come in people with money who like don't right. need but partially because you made because it the way it is exactly. for them and you're not asking for anything nor would they give you anything except let us stay Right. Like, (laughs) right. Continue our business. Yeah. I want to benefit from the economy that we helped create, you know, that's all. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's also like, I mean, this was maybe 2006 ish. Lacey and I used to just like sell our clothes on Bedford Avenue because like no (laughs) one cared then if you just did that. Right. And Bedford was definitely like cool already at that point. But like not nearly the way it is now. There wasn't a Whole Foods. And it really, yeah, there was an and Apple it store. Still blows my no, mind. Kind I, of. I mean, Whole Foods. That's that North Fourth Street crack row. Yes. Oh my God, Four, crack Who knew Fourth there'd Street? be a Whole Foods? There's North a Whole Fourth Street. Wow, like a girl. Wow, Jeez, yes, Ralph Lauren is <laughs> like, on the street what? too. I know. And it's wow. really not like, that long ago. No, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, no, maybe, but like. <laughs> It's no, but one crazy. of the reasons that we're so excited crazy. to have you on is because we're in a period now where small businesses are really struggling. And I think it's important to share the stories of these businesses that are here that help yeah. to make these neighborhoods what they are. And these mm-hmm. are the people that are behind them. It's not fucking Whole Foods. It's not Bezos. It's not Ralph Lauren. Yeah. It's somebody who's been here for 20 years. And it's the people years, who are still here still after, here. you and know, a whole pandemic lockdown. Yeah. Keeping Just people employed. Giving people meet cutes. Yeah, <laughs> I just learned that recently, and actually, Kyle knew what it was. And of I course, didn't. I'm not shocked at that weird. at all. <laughs> but yeah, it's we need to support the, yeah. these businesses, people. We need to. And okay, also, I have to say that Beacons, y'all used to piss me off because I would go there with three bags of clothes. <laughs> And you wouldn't want any of it. You wouldn't want any of it. (laughs) It's so hard. So offensive. But that's what I love about it is I love that it's not just the Salvation Army. And that's why people like it. Because it isn't you go and you find everything. It's it's curated stuff. Yeah. And it's so hard. Yeah. No, I loved it. I kind of like, I like a good shade. Keeps you humble when people take any of your shit. And it's always like, I'm not rejecting you. I'm rejecting your clothes. It's okay. I got a bunch of stuff. You are rejecting me. The real, real doesn't no, want let my me stuff. Tell you, in my stuff. early twenties, whatever I'd get. 
15 bucks, 20 bucks. Yes. It saved my ass. That's lunch. And gave me lunch for a week. <laughs> yeah, two days lunch. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. oh no my goodness. Not to be cheesy, but I think it holds a really special place in a lot of people's hearts. Especially people, I mean, whether they moved here a year ago or 20 years ago, they know it. I think that that's, I mean, I hear that and I believe that. And I think also, too, like I just think about the sort of incarnations of beacons and the neighborhood itself and like the sort of like time periods that we've gone through and the small businesses that have come and gone but the ones that have stuck around and I also think about too like our staff like I mean it's crazy like we have people that like have worked for us for a really really long time like you know the internet store manager Carly like left recently and Carly had been with us for 13 years you know it's like and and that we have people that like leave town like we have like a core group of people like it just happened recently like a friend of uh, like somebody that used to work there lives in New Orleans he comes to town some like he he's like I'm coming up to New York like he's a DJ guy obviously he's not DJing right now but he was just coming to New York to get out of New Orleans for a minute he quarantined he tested and like whenever he comes to New York he's like can I pick up chefs and I'm like hell yeah you can pick up chefs nice um, yeah. you know it's, it's a community where... it's like a little family yeah and it's it's always had that sort of familial vibe and I think I said that in my email to you guys that it's just sort of like it's definitely like we try to run the store you know it has a little socialist vibe you know we do like a, <laughs> there's a hierarchy but like how you said like you don't like that being called a boss I hate yeah yeah, call the boss, you know, and yeah. I, I think as I get older and my staff continues to stay younger, it's a real I um, I let it go now because like I am old enough to be some of their moms right. or maybe they can even be my grandkids. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if I started like some of my girls in Tennessee did, you know, but yeah. Yeah. 16. But, you know, I think that it we do try to like take care of people and, you know, and make it a place, I don't know, have an equitable wage kind of unheard of. I do like to mention that we pay 100% of our health insurance costs for our full-time people. Yeah. I heard about that. And you that. pay 50% of envious. mine. It's incredible. Which I'm so yes, grateful and we, for. We pay, well, we, this is our thing, we, we pay for half the spouse and the whole baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> no babies here. Never. No, um, <laughs> we do, and we that. offer maternity and paternity leave. So and cool. this is, you know, I mean, this pandemic stuff, like some of the stuff that we've offered, is all being examined right now as we yeah. as we don't know how long the recovery will take. But totally. you know, we'll it has see. to be a hard Something. time. Crunching numbers, figuring that out. Yeah, just trying to like. But I'm hopeful that this administration change is going to be. Um, I know it's not going to be a miracle, but I think there are definitely going to be things that are going to be considered. Um, you know, like I have most of my staff has student loan debt. Mm-hmm. And like our hours are cut right now. We're not pay- we're not like the store is running less time or like we're doing this thing where we operate in teams so people are safer and not exposed. Mm-hmm. That team operation cut- has cut people's hours. Mm-hmm. And you know, I know like I just a good chunk of my staff has student loan debt and I'm hopeful that that will be relieved somewhat or erased so maybe. Yeah, something. Erased would be nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, Wouldn't it be nice? Yeah, I think. Imagine. But I think it's so awesome what you guys do for your staff because yes. as we know, there are lots of small businesses around and even big businesses around. Mm-hmm. Big businesses that don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's for the community overall. You guys have done so much for the community. Yeah. Like the people who 
you hire are all members here so like they can all stay here and pay their rents and you know keeps the whole flow keeps the going. whole flow going keeps everything going you yeah know, keeps- and that's really important that's the hope and it's like that's what's also like when you watch as the cities changes and the rents get more expensive and things like that like you want to um use that thing like like what is a living wage and like trying to keep up with that and that can be difficult as a business you know like as the city as as rents go up go up go up go up you know it's just like well what how much further do we need to go and how can we do that and be sustainable and it's just you know it's a balancing act you guys are business women you know it's mm-hmm. like how do you how do you like manage that you know mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it's crazy. Yeah, as far as like things like health insurance, like that is just I just want to say this and just give props to Carrie one more time. Like from the get go, like the minute the minute she could afford health insurance for herself for the store, she insured her employees, even though there were only three of us. Yeah, and we never paid for it. Wow! 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 That's awesome. That's like a big. That's huge. It's a big deal. It's a huge. It's insane that in America that's a huge deal. Like I know. it's like the quote richest country it? in the world. But it's true because it's like my insurance is like looking three times before I cross the street. Do you know what I mean? Like hoping that I don't get hit by a car because Stop. no, and no. It's, but is it true that how many people is that the truth? I know. Because, and even if you do have insurance, getting hit by a car can bankrupt you. That is a life ruiner. And that's right. insane. It's true. But that's the truth in this country. So like that, even our like good insurance yeah. for Cigna, like fuck you, man. Like yeah. what, it's just like some of the stuff when I get a bill, I'm like, I shouldn't get a bill. Yeah. For anything. Yes. Nothing. Yes. I know. Nothing. Nothing. It's true. Yeah. I was shocked when Kyle, I don't know if you remember when Kyle broke his finger and needed another Oh my God, surgery. I know. But it covered pretty much everything. He owed a little for the anesthesi- anesthesiologist. Wow. But we were waiting for months. I'm like, there's going to be a bill one day and right. it's going to be like $10,000. That was a rough year for some of the men of Beacons where there's Kyle and then um, Carly's husband, Art. <gasps> and they were all like, it broke was like, leg. Art skateboarding leg. and your, and your <laughs> husband was surfing. I'm like, okay. Okay, guys. That's what happens with yeah, the cool kids, right? Old, exactly. Right? Knock it off. This is seriously. Games. His finger wasn't fully attached. It was so scary. Oh I called so my dad up. and I was like, "What do I do?" My stepmom gave me a lecture. She's like, "You guys need to know what to do in a scenario like, this. like which <laughs> hospital you should go to." I'm like, "This never happens." It's so funny. It's the so plan, good. the, the hospital it. plan. Oh God, I love it. Anyway, yeah, that was a scary time, but thank God for Beacon's Closet and yeah. their health insurance. Otherwise, um, I'd who knows what I'd be doing right now, paying yeah. off thirty thousand dollars, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, so insane. That's but terrifying. I really feel like Beacon's Closet should be like the framework for bigger small businesses. Yeah, <laughs> giving a shit about people you know? and the community they live in and the environment. It's so just, just like a yeah. couple of apps. It's a learning curve, and it's always we're always pushing ourselves forward and yeah. examining things that we need to change and did you see yourself being in Williamsburg this long or did you not never really think about it you know it's funny when I first moved here I was kind of like I don't get to live in the city because I can't afford it and now I'm just sort of like I don't <laughs> thank god live yeah and, you know honestly. as it changed too like as soon as we got a sushi restaurant at one point it was like <laughs> that's it it's I'm good There's don't have to get on the train ever again <laughs> totally yeah I don't know that's that I saw hilarious. myself this is the thing is like you know I mentioned to you guys that I moved around a lot when I was a kid and therefore, like when I get the opportunity, it's a little bit bad. Like I, I get, I, I like, I'm like a nest. I'm like, I'm st- I've had the same apartment for 15 years, mm-hmm. but a lot of that has 
to do because it's like on North 7th between Driggs and Roebling. It's rent stabilized. Yeah, you weren't going nowhere. It's on the fourth floor, but and that's getting harder as I get older, but I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. We'll get yeah. you one of those little thingies that gets you up the stairs in a chair. Oh, I know. Holy <laughs> system. What is it like a thing where you sit in the chair? And yeah, back I love that. Oh, so oh my fun. god! My so grandma, my stepmom's mom, lives in on a fourth floor walk up in Queens still, and she's in her late eighties. She's got great knees. You know, this is the thing I think about it. But those they she's do those studies knees. of like the people, the the cultures with the most centurions, and it's like there are cultures that have like things that are similar to steps, like these like um, Italian cultures, like it's one in Sardinia where people, and one in Greece where people like walk up, like sort of like basically like zigzagging up a mountainside, you know? Yeah, just, like, yeah. Like the Nepalese. Instead, in Brooklyn, they just have really, really steep stairs that even if you're 30, you can, like, barely go up. Yeah, they're, like, the tenements, these stairs. I know. They're, like, it's like a ladder. Yeah, it's so high. So it's a segment that we do, and it's called I Didn't Know Then, But I'm Older Now. So oh, okay. just anything from your past that you're like, what the fuck was I doing? Oh, here's one. And, and this is a beauty podcast, and I thought about it yesterday. Um, I didn't know that you could get an arm wrinkle. <laughs> <laughs> and so everybody's like, don't forget your neck. I'm yeah. like, there's this part, like sort of like right where your elbow creases. Uh-huh. You probably can't not get, you probably can't avoid it. But when you first notice it, you're like. <laughs> Is that a wrinkle on my arm? Really like you get an arm wrinkle? Up. Yeah, <laughs> that really That's is. Like, and yeah. I, yeah, and I like that one. We talk about this all the time. I was like, I was watching a Dolly Parton interview the other day, and I was like, Dolly is so smart because she knows her hands are jacked up, and will tell her age since she's an, like a musician. So she yeah. just wears gloves. She always has gloves. Always on. has gloves on. But that's one of those things they don't really talk to you. Hands and elbows. Also, Nobody always has long about. sleeves on. She's covering her arm wrinkles yeah. because she knows about what you, know you just what, found though? out. There's Great hands, too, girl. though. Just like my mother, but like these are my mother's hands. Your hands I don't, don't look very that. aged, though. No, we your hands really look great. You know what? But they, no, they look pretty do, damn good. And I'm kind of okay with it. Your you hands know? are great. Haven't seen the elbow crease, so can't yeah. resist. That, on the other hand, that might on the other look hand pretty hand bad. Might be <laughs> and you don't want to. <laughs> We're going to have to send you um, an alpha hydroxy acid body lotion. Yes. We'll help you out. And my skin is so sensitive. Okay, maybe not. Well, <laughs> maybe some lactic. We'll do lactic something acid. It is. Gotcha. Like, I'm like the hives lady. I'm just oh. like, like, Whoa, like, look at me and I get hives. Oh, I would too. hate to give you a facial. No, me too. When I people like that come in like, for a facial. I love skin stuff and I take very good care of my skin. Yes. Your skin is very nice. We'll get you some evening primrose. What do you use Ooh, on your face? That's what you need. I use um, my thing that I started using years ago that I really swear by is it's it's fresh cosmetics, the sea buckthorn oil. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever I told me, here's what I didn't know then that I know now. If you ever told me that I would put oil, straight up oil on my face and my neck before I went to bed every single night, I'd be like, what? Right? Yes. Especially in the 90s. I feel like it was so yeah, opposite. Like, yes. well, and so and like, right. I just have to like wash my bangs in the morning instead of washing my whole hair. <laughs> and I was like, I'll just do a little bang wash this morning because yeah. the oil gets in the bangs, but the rest of the hair no, your is... your skin looks you know. amazing. Actually, I like that I didn't know them, but I'm older now because that is truth. 
truth. Right? Oil so all the rage yes. now, and there was definitely a time where I was like, oh, oh yeah, the I 90s, oil free everything. N- yeah, no saturated fat, nothing. No, no, no oil. Not in my skin, not in my body. Yeah. I love that. Hey guys. Hey. What did you think of that interview with Cindy? Hope that you loved it. And that you also think that Beacons is awesome. Yes. And that she's awesome. And Carrie, the founder, also awesome. Yeah. I like that. Um, I mean, she really went there, especially talking so candidly about her childhood. Yeah. And that's a crazy childhood. That's a really crazy childhood, honestly. And I mean, obviously, I relate to it. And that was something I was not really planning on sharing. But I don't know. I was thinking today. Like, tit for tat, if we're going to have these women come on and share parts of their personal journey, like, we got to offer something back, right? And that was so personal and so candid and, like, I don't know, I think it's important to kind of talk about, especially today with what's going on in the political world and just, like, families that are maybe not together because of like who they voted for or people who decided to like not speak to parts of their families yeah. I don't it can know. be very similar with religion for I, sure I totally agree and I think it's important to kind of show how you can stay together as a family and just be like we're not just we're just not going to talk about that agree to disagree we're just not going to talk about that part of our relationship and yeah. let's move forward as a family totally I think that's really cool totally yeah. I think that's very special and totally. like Shows real love in a family. Yeah, it's right? something we can all definitely take into our relationships yeah. today. How many people get like thrown out of their families because of religious differences? So or many, whatever. so many people of our generation for sure. Totally. Um, I also want to point out that Beacon's Closet they do a lot of work as far as donating money to charities, mm-hmm. which is also like as a small business really awesome. Yeah. But to date, they've donated over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and maybe not actual cash, but the amount that they've just given in general to charitable organizations. Mm -hmm. And they also make it a point to talk about being anti-racist. Yeah. And to also, once they're able to hire again, really focus on hiring people of color and just having a more diverse staff. Right. And I think that's just important that I would love to real fast read when I had emailed Cindy asking her. I'm glad that you're going to bring this up. Yeah. I was hoping that you would because it was very... You know, we, I've been coming, not to cut you off, but I've been yeah, coming totally. across a lot of women coming into the shop that are so self-aware, a lot of white women, I'll say, that are so self-aware of who, of their privilege and what their new, looking at like what their new role is after the Cultural Revolution. And I think it's just really a wonderful thing to see because, yeah, as a person of color, to hear white women say like, I don't think that the spotlight should be on me. It's been on people that look like me forever, and why don't we raise other people's voices? It's, like, really beautiful and special. It is. Yeah, it's a really empathetic way to look at the world. Totally. So she said this. I was a little hesitant at first, as you mentioned the focus being on marginalized communities. And while, yes, of course, women have been historically marginalized, I've been hyper aware of and diligently interrogating my white privilege for a while, but really drilling down into this last tumultuous year. Also, I'm not in my 30s, <laughs> but I'm constantly around youth. I'm a 57-year-old white lady who has benefited tremendously from my whiteness. That being said, I'd love to even talk about that some if the conversation goes there. Beacon's Closet Company has itself been grappling with issues of diversity and exploring what it means as a company to be actively anti-racist. Yeah. Anti-racist is such a strong word because it's not, it's, do you know, it's, if somebody calls you racist, 
the first thing you think is like, well, I'm not racist. Of course not. And of course, right. because it's a defense so, mechanism. Yeah. But to be actively anti-racist is a whole different ball game. Yeah. And that's really awesome. Yeah. She's so cool. Um, hope you guys loved that. Yeah. I think this is a really cool conversation. It really was. I also hope that you like us. Yeah, girl. Wherever you're listening to your podcast. And guy out there. <laughs> All of you. All of you. We really like talking to you. So <laughs> I hope that you like us so we can keep doing it for a while. And if you do, we would love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe. Yes. And tell your mama, and tell your auntie, and tell your friend, yes. and tell your cousin. You can find us on Instagram at True Beauty Brooklyn Podcast. Also, True Beauty Brooklyn, which is our beauty studio in Brooklyn. Yeah. And if you want to email any listener questions or. Please do. I'm, I need some to laugh we all need to laugh yeah send us some funny shit send please us, yes, true beauty brooklyn podcast at gmail please send us your i didn't know then but i'm older now didn't know then but i'm older now look out for our record coming out soon dropping <laughs> <laughs> also with these headphones on i feel like i could pretend to be mariah i know when she'd have like one ear on and like oh. i know we need to talk about the autobiography <gasps> in our next episode okay next yeah. time we're going to talk to you all about mariah's Amy. memoir it's fucking yes. awesome yeah we need to start a true beauty book club maybe no yeah. well maybe no, i can't stick to that <laughs> <laughs> okay so what else true millennial afraid oh, of commitment i do also want to mention kind. that we're putting the patreon on pause yeah, that will be paused. We're going to come back to it, but I think that we just need to like kind of like reevaluate cool what stuff that's in the works. Look. Exactly. We've got a lot of cool stuff in the works. We yeah. want to reevaluate what the Patreon is going to look like in the future. But for now, we're just going to put it on pause. So don't you sign up. Keep your dollar for now. Yeah. Save it for later. <laughs> um, we will see you next time. We'll see you next time, guys. Bye. Bye.